They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Oh, there we go. Okay, pretty exciting episode. We've, we've got our first our first guest. It's a creator, Ooh. sole creator and <laughs> progenitor of the Turbo Team podcast, Ben Neeson. Yes, the founder. <laughs> I'm founder, a, CEO, a gamer, game respects game, so I'm happy to be here <laughs> with Moglianza at the movies, really shaking up the movie reviewing a podcasting space in the Indianola area in greater Des Moines metro so um I'm really thank excited you, to be you. here hey you know we're really excited to have you we when I first started this Elliot was like we got to get Ben on one of these days he's my best friend he's the only person I care about on earth besides Alexander DeCrew so he's like we got to have him and we're excited that we finally got you wow I'm, I'm glad I could bless your guys's podcast but <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, i'm sorry nathan i'm not sure what you said you said like progenitor i think you meant <laughs> progenitor oh yeah means, that's the word like, father you know creator and i just i just can't let go of that sorry. okay well sorry sorry about that <laughs> but yeah it's great to have such an esteemed member uh as an esteemed colleague in the podcasting <laughs> scene on with us today Yes, now I'm um, I'm very happy to be here in a very exciting and up and coming podcast such as yourselves. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to discuss philosophy and uh, philosophical relations to movies. That that well was good. said. Yeah, I, I, yeah wow, <laughs> such an orator. <laughs> All right, well. With that, uh, Elliot, you've got the information up. What what movie are we doing this week? What? All right. Oh. We are talking about The Shawshank Redemption. <clears throat> 1994 prison movie directed by Frank Darabont. Nominated for a few Oscars. I have completely lost how many. It was nominated for Best Picture. Considered to be one of the most, I guess disappointing upsets in the Oscars history because this movie lost to uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, well, in mm. Pulp Fiction, it, 94 was stacked because Pulp Fiction and Shawshank were both up against Forrest Gump and it lost. And also, I'll just shout this out, Quiz Show, which is a really great film that I liked quite a bit, was also out this year, but that's beside the point. Good, good to know. Was one of your favorites that year? You remember that distinctly? I, it's a good movie, okay. And I never, I only ever hear people talk about Pulp Fiction, Gum, and Shawshank. And I think Quiz Show deserves to maybe be in that conversation. It's a really sweet film. Quiz Show is pretty good. Thanks, Elliot. <laughs> so yeah, there it is. 
Was that all the Oscars it was nominated for? Oh, gosh. I was trying to subtly imply that we should cut off that segment because, like I said, I lost that section. I scrolled away from it, and now I can't find it again. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Here we go. Uh, Nominated for seven Academy Awards, uh, Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography for Deacons, woo! Best Film Editing, Best Sound, uh, and Best Original Score. Mm-hmm. It did not win in any category. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, I think let's, we'll let the guests go first. And Ben, I'm really interested to see, because you gave us two movie options <laughs> to do for your episode, and The Lobster made sense to me because it's weird and you're weird. Shawshank Redemption threw me for a loop, though, because it's kind of mainstream. <laughs> it's a bit of like a film bro sort of movie. And you are not I would not characterize you as a film bro. What would you categorize me as? Kind of a weird dude. A weirdo. <laughs> You're a bit of a creep or a weirdo, I guess you could say. I, I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah, you don't belong here. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Um, I love this film. I mean, you uh it's a classic hey uh your parents show you a movie that you actually enjoy this is one of those classics i thought of it because um i have the score on my uh movie score pod um playlist and i just it's such a beautiful score by thomas newman so whenever i uh listen through that that always just uh reminds me of this film and how beautiful it is but especially what reminded me was uh, at the gym. I saw it on AMC twice in one month. <laughs> and it just reminded me how it's one of those cable TV specials where it's always on. Yeah. But I mean, that's for good reason, though, because you can jump in at pretty much any point in the film and just be sucked in immediately. It's such um, um, a fresh world that you're thrown into, although it's not necessarily fresh. The fish are. But the cell, the prison itself is actually quite disgusting and disturbing. But it's it's such a wild ride to follow Andy and Red throughout decades of their life, and just the various plot lines that weave in and out throughout it with Brooks and with Tommy and with the opera segment and the whole embezzling scheme. Spoilers, by the way. Um, but <laughs> but it's. It's just a fantastic film that chronicles many different beautiful storylines in a cohesive and very cathartic way once you watch through until the final end. But um, yeah, is that concise enough? Yeah, that was super, that was fantastic. <laughs> that, this vindicates our decision to have you as our first guest, I think. Okay, I, I already just threw it out the window as soon as we started. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, really enjoy it. Classic uh, cable TV movie. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I, when I rewatched it for the podcast on Wednesday night, I realized that this is maybe only the second time I've seen the movie all the way through in one sitting, even though I would consider it like top 10, maybe top five for me all time. Because, yeah, I just, there's so many times that we're in a hotel room and we're just flipping through channels and it's on, or I come out to the living room and dad's been watching it that I've seen most of this movie 
tens of times, but I've only seen it all the way through a couple times because it is, you know, it's a cable TV movie and just I, every time I watch it, it's like, oh, this is a great scene. And then the next scene starts and I'm like, oh, well, this scene is also really fantastic. And then I end up staying for the whole time. Yeah, the uh, <clears throat> the structure of it, it can be really easily segmented, you know, you talk about uh, the first night in prison segment, um, the library building segment, the Tommy segment, the guy who comes in and Andy teaches him, you know, what to do, the opera segment, stuff like that. I think that's kind of a product of it being based on a Stephen King story, because if you've ever read Stephen King, that's very much his style, is he has like a main sort of thread that runs through the whole thing, but there are kind of like knots in the thread. I, I've okay. committed to this metaphor when maybe it was a bad idea, <laughs> but you know, places where the narrative sort of expands before to go on what isn't really a side plot, but to flesh out characters or themes or motivations, stuff like that, before it contracts back to the main storyline, which is about uh, Andy trying to, you know, live in prison and also escape spoiler alert Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, <laughs> the redemption is that he dies in prison an innocent man <laughs> <laughs> okay well i i guess i'd like to start with one of the things that really amazes me about this movie and that the movie is just so unapologetically emotional in a way that i think not a lot of movies are sometimes especially modern movies that they have they feel a need to be very ironic and self-aware and like undercut their own emotions and this movie does not do that and it's to such incredible effect because the story it's telling is such a beautiful cathartic thing that if there was any like marvel this is the second week in a row with this marvel i think but if there was yeah. any like jokes undercutting the emotion i think it would really cripple the movie's ideas in a lot of in a lot of ways and so i just have a humongous amount of respect for the movie for tackling a very emotional story and doing it in such a flawless way that it it's a touching story it gets me every time yeah yeah you're, you're with him through the ups and downs. Yeah. The, <laughs> the ups of making a library and the downs of the sisters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, correct. Wow. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, uh, I think that um, the performances can't really uh, be understated because everyone does a phenomenal job. Um, this really cemented Morgan Freeman's entire uh, celebrity as the best voice of all time. <laughs> as Chuck Norris to death as that meme has become. But uh, <laughs> I think that it really stands out here. Um, it's, it's one of the films where maybe they overuse on paper narration to a sense, but it just works perfectly through the film. Just yeah. for... Um, narratively for him to discuss everything that's happening and just aesthetically it makes sense and like there's so many little jokes like he's calling uh the old uh prison guard captain 
it's like the smug bastard almost seemed to uh, sound magnanimous <laughs> and you just throw little small things in there that like really made the film and then andy was uh fantastic who's <laughs> the actor who plays andy again tim robbins yeah 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 uh i think that his whole um sleuthy and uh gawky nature of being this really tall string bean character uh which i can extremely relate to <laughs> wow no way for, any, for anyone who doesn't know Ben, he's a bit of a string bean character himself. <laughs> yeah, we, we share the shifty eyes, uh, the smug smirk while not saying anything. <laughs> uh, always up to something in the back of their head. Uh, but to, to, to Andy's credit, I think he's got a little bit more intelligence going for him. But that's just me. I couldn't have never thought of a whole poster plan. That's, that's such a cool idea <laughs> and cool reveal too in oh, the film. Absolutely. I'm a humongous fan of the way this movie is put together and especially that ending sequence is so, not the ending, but like the escape sequence is so flawless the way it doesn't show it to you until after and then it's got Red kind of explaining it. Oh, it's so great. And it's great to rewatch it too. And you can see all these moments right where Andy's sort of piecing together what will eventually be the way he escapes yeah we've been talking a little bit about the narration and I think that it really works for this movie to be told from Red's perspective because Nathan as you've said before this is Nathan's thing not mine uh the redemption in the title obviously doesn't refer to Andy who's innocent doesn't really have anything to be redeemed for it's it's Red's redemption. It's Red Dead Redemption. You know, there's a timely <laughs> reference for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because one of my favorite things about this movie is its incredible commitment to the idea of hope. You know, and that's the core of Red's redemption. I I can't say Red Redemption without thinking about Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> no, that's the core of Red's redemption. Is that he he has completely rejected the idea of hope. I mean, every time Andy brings it up, he says hope is a dangerous thing, especially in a place like this, because he just doesn't think that he has anything to hope for. But when Andy gets out, and really, even before Andy got out, he had this friendship with him and Andy that was able to pierce this thick wall of cynicism that he had built around or about himself and about the world. And it's just such a, it's just such a powerful ending when he's driving down to Mexico and he's just listing off the things that he hopes for. I hope yeah. that the Pacific ocean is as blue as it is in my dreams. I hope to see my friend again. And then he just says, I hope. And it's, it's absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. I really agree uh, with your point about the importance of having read uh, narrate and have the film be from Red's perspective because there are lots of, moment of moments of tension throughout the movie where you don't know if Andy's going to be doing something like you entirely aren't sure if he actually did kill his wife or not for a portion of the beginning and then especially after he gets out of two months in the hole he really has a moment of um, dark contemplation and a sense of finality when he has that conversation with Red at the wall so you really are thinking when he doesn't come out of his cell in the morning, oh, did he 
actually like do something like did he hurt himself or something like that so i feel like that um the whole separation uh was narratively sound yeah well and i love i do say that it's important to realize that red is the redemption and the thing because when andy asks him like oh what did you do and he's like well i'm you know i'm the only guilty man in shawshank and that i think there's a sense in which red feels like he has to keep paying for this thing he did as a kid and that he doesn't really deserve to hope for things and find a better life for himself and that that's the whole movie all of these little side stories that they go on just serve to further illustrate the philosophy that's driving Andy this idea that we can hope for something and it gives us the power to go through these awful things and red slowly coming to agree with that statement and that it's when he finally gets out of prison he's able to be like okay i deserve to you know go and do these things like i deserve to go and live my life with andy and i get to be happy basically and i get to have hope that there's a better life there for me yeah i think that <clears throat> i think that that's one of the reasons why this movie is so worth rewatching because it's not really a twist. I mean, it's sort of a twist how Andy escapes, but more than that, the method by which he escapes of tunneling through rock for years and years and years really recontextualizes his character around the idea of hope. And that's, uh, that's what I mean when I talk about this movie, really admiring this movie's commitment to hope, because that is, that is commitment. I mean, he spent decades chipping away at something, basically being driven by this hope that he had of getting out and of finding a life beyond gray places. Yeah, I'd like to also call attention to Roger Deakin. Honestly, everything this movie was nominated for, I think it fully deserved to win in all of the cat. I mean, the screenplay, the editing is so fantastic. Roger Deakins, I think it's easy to look at Deakins like movies that he's done since this one and been like, oh, they're so much better because, I mean, they look better. Like Blade Runner 2049 just looks gorgeous and Prisoners looks fantastic and all these movies that he's done look amazing. But I think what's really incredible about Shawshank's cinematography is how well it puts you in the shoes of Andy and Red and the people in the prison, that there's so many of these low shots, especially in the like cell block. The shot that he uses is like low pointed up sort of. And so it seems like it's this huge thing that you're trapped in. And all of the shots in the prison are very purposefully, I mean, they're kind of close, they're ground level, they're not looking up at stuff. And so you really sort of feel trapped. And so these moments when he goes to like a crane shot or a drum or a helicopter shot or something like that, you feel more free, like in the opera scene and it's the big crane shot of everyone in the yard. You, I mean, there's the cinematography is communicating the idea of the scene and it's such a perfect mesh of the ideas of the film meeting the way he shoots it and the way he shoots um, Red and Andy as they get as they get closer, that it's more and more 
shooting them together in shot reverse shot instead of separately or just shooting them right both in the frame talking to each other it's just really fantastic and i think it's easy to just be like oh dkids is great because it looks pretty i'm like no he's you know he's really smart and the way he communicates these ideas is really fantastic yeah i really enjoy that like those long sweeping shots that go on during the opera scene because you really like are soaring along with the emotional weight that everyone is feeling in that moment so yeah Yeah. i had that too (laughs) (laughs) but um another credit to this film is um just their treatment of side and minor characters like uh with the warden um with tommy brooks who has like a 10 minute interlude where it's just following him and i can't think of many other films that'll do that and have it be pretty much arguably one of the best parts of the movie Mm -hmm. it's just his entire sad uh, decline and giving up basically but uh yeah no i (laughs) everyone from haywood uh singing uh Haywood saying that why he didn't play any Hank Williams when he had uh, the opera playing overhead. He said they broke down the door before I could take requests. <laughs> <laughs> and it's him just like sc- screaming or singing along super loudly in the library to Hank Williams. I don't know. There's just all lots of nice moments that make the decades long time spent within the prison really seem lived in. Yeah, I I'm glad that you brought up the Brooks segment because a it gives me a chance to dunk on Nope and say that this extended interlude actually works both thematically and formally for the movie, <laughs> and b it is absolutely I mean it's absolutely heartbreaking because you know Brooks is just an old man I mean he's really not um I mean he's a criminal but he's not. A criminal anymore if that makes any sense like he's just this broken ruined man and i think it sort of shows the like i guess worst case scenario this scenario that could happen to either andy or red if they don't have any hope because what does brooks have to hope for uh, he's just he's got this you could barely even call it a life. It's just a series of routines that he goes through without any kind of meaning behind them or any kind of meaningful connection to the things that he does. And I really like going back to the cinematography aspect of it. I really like how it's shot, especially when he's in his apartment because it's shot, it's shot so tight in that honestly feels even more constrictive than the cells or anything Mm -hmm. else in the prison Mm -hmm. because he's trapped to a much more profound degree on the outside than he was in the inside having been so thoroughly institutionalized yeah i would say the uh that scene would only be made better if it just zoomed in slowly on a single shoe floating (laughs) and standing straight up (laughs) Or, or if or if Brooks died by chimpanzee, <laughs> I I'm, I'm gonna actually disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually gonna disagree with you there, Ben. I think that would have made the movie a bit worse, personally. <laughs> well, <laughs> it would something eerie is happening. Yeah, no, it really <laughs> it needed more it needed more mysteriousness. 
mystery. <laughs> I agree. Um, but, I think yeah. one question I have sort of for you guys is maybe a question, also a comment. But I said at the beginning that this is sort of a film bro movie somewhat. It's number one on IMDb's top 250 list. It's regularly considered one of right the greatest movies of all times. And typically the argument I see put forward in negative reviews and stuff is that the film is cloying, which is a term where it's looking for unearned emotion. So I think the answer might be obvious to people who've been listening, but do you think do you think that really holds any weight in any moment of the movie? Or do you think all of the emotional beats of the film are fully earned by the film? Well, I think it's going to depend to a large degree on the emotional uh, state of the audience. Uh, let me put it like this. I don't think that's invalid because if it does, if a movie doesn't emotionally connect to you, then it doesn't emotionally connect to you. And, you know, you can't, you can't review a movie based on, you know, how other, what other people say about it. I will say that I don't find it cloying. The vast majority of people find the emotional beats to be more than well-earned. So I would say that I think that it's, it's fine if that's your, if that's your take, but I, I don't think that I don't, that is not my take. Yeah, I I acknowledge your opinion, and I see that you are valid, but you're wrong because <laughs> you can't watch that Brooks <laughs> sequence and not feel anything. Uh, I could maybe see that with like the stoicism that Andy and Red and some of the other characters have. I could see maybe that as a reason, but <laughs> I think that um, those those naysayers just don't have any compassion for the <laughs> incarcerated. Wow. Ben took a much less <laughs> diplomatic route than I did there. Out of defense, I'll attack uh the character <laughs> of those I'm arguing against. Uh, but no. Uh personally, yeah, I think the emotional beats uh do work well. I mean, if you were thrust into any of these situations or just a month of the life that these characters are living, I think that um you'd understand where they're coming from and you'd empathize with. Uh, their pleas for humanity and hope and just anything to cling on to at that point. Yeah. Well, and I think the fact that so many people consider it so highly as a movie shows that a lot of people do relate to and empathize with the characters that even if you're not in prison, like Elliot said, when he was talking about Brooks, that it was just a series of routines with no deeper meaning behind it. I think a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people, that's how they can kind of feel. And so watching a movie that it's like, hey, it's really crucial. Like it's maybe even life or death that you find something to have hope and to continue, right, driving towards. I think that's really fantastic. And especially comparing to another movie that a lot of people find very emotional that I don't, that came out the same year, Forrest Gump, that I find a lot of moments in Forrest Gump very like unearned emotion, like any scene with Jenny. Whereas yeah. I think this movie fully earns every one of its emotional moments. Cause it like, I think Andy fully earns being able to 
come out of the drain and do the classic, you know, he's peeling his shirt off and he's standing in the rain. That I think if you watch just that scene, you might be like, oh, that's a bit much. But you watch the whole movie and you're like, yeah, 30 years of what he had to go through. Yeah, I think he'd be pretty psyched to finally be free. And I think he would react like that. <laughs> so maybe they're just only catching it on TV. And then they're like, this scene is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, w- I was trying to keep things, you know, understanding, uh, <laughs> accepting that some people are going to have different experiences, different things. You guys are just like, no, no, you guys, are, you're just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, you can't be wrong about an opinion, but <sighs> it, it, gets so, it, it gets so frustrate me. But I can be disgusted by it. <laughs> yeah, I can have an opinion about your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, yeah. Uh, uh, going along with um, those supposed naysayers, uh, do either of you have any uh, negatives or nitpicks for the film? My only nitpick would be uh, that the antagonists, less so Warden Norton, but definitely. Uh, the guard Catley, uh, Clancy Brown's character, are absolutely from the Stephen King school of writing <laughs> villains in that they are just cartoonishly, unreasonably evil. And so, I mean, not really Warden Norton, but Hatley is just like an absolute sociopath. And I really, I don't understand. I think that in order for it to work better, this doesn't work bad. And this is definitely a the most nitpicky of nitpicks it would be better if we had some a more coherent grasp of his of him as a character rather than just as literally just as an antagonistic force they really were only missing a mustache to twirl besides that they had it all yeah (laughs) but yeah i think they tried to go that route sometimes with like the false sense of righteousness that uh the warden would have with um his various um scripture readings and kind of uh unique view and interpretations of the bible <laughs> <laughs> so i don't Hopefully know they're unique yeah i need a what was like that uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest prequel show about <laughs> nurse, ratchet. Uh, nurse ratchet yeah <laughs> i need one of those about the warden <laughs> <laughs> norton wow honestly i don't think i and this might spoil what i'm gonna rate it but this watching it this time i really could not come up with even like a nitpicky thing because i i i just think if you make the villains more sympathetic you take away from what he's trying to do in terms of red and andy that dedicating more time to them would have taken away from it and this director made Green Mile and the Green Mile has a kind of Stephen King villain sort of character. I don't know if that's a Stephen King novel too. It is. But that villain character frustrated me a lot more than the characters in this one because his, and this is sort of spoilers for Green Mile, but he does not have a great ending. And I did not feel like he deserved his ending. Whereas in Shawshank, I mean, I don't think anyone deserves to die, but I can certainly, like, what Norton does and what Hadley does, both of them, I think, receive justice, and Norton takes a way out of justice, but it's it's not in the same way that, like, Andy doesn't 
kill Norton when he leaves. He just escapes. And so um, I don't have that. I, I can't even say that I think the villains should be more fleshed out. I think they're fine as they are. I wish they had a diehard ending to this movie with Andy and Warden. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the gun on his back, dives out the window. <laughs> Norton! <laughs> Yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong. Let me take that back. It should have had that ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have um, your shoes now. Ho, ho, ho. Wow. <laughs> uh, ben, do you have any negatives? Uh, I have two really nitpicky nitpicks. Uh, All right. One transition really bugged me when I was watching it was uh, <laughs> uh, after... Uh, Red was lecturing Andy not to have any hope. And then Andy says, oh, don't have hopes like uh, like Brooks did. And then uh, Red gets uh, pissed off and uh, leaves. Uh, there's a really awkward fade to black. <laughs> don't like that transition. I don't know why. It just feels awkward to me. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, I know it's to set up the next shot of uh, Red going into his, re- uh, his parole hearing. And they have that really uh, cool shot of him uh, walking through the black door. So I knew it was for that reason, but still, I thought it was a little awkward. And uh, at the end, uh, after Andy escapes and like they're all sitting around and Red was like, we tell Andy stories to all the new inmates. Like we, we hadn't didn't have any shortage of them. I was like, did he did he really do all that much? It was just the roof thing. Besides that, he was pretty quiet. He just like whittle chess pieces. I, I don't know how many Andy stories there are to share. Well, they didn't show all of them. <laughs> he was actually just like an absolute tank on the volleyball uh, <laughs> for the prison. <laughs> He was really good at origami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Those, those are nitpicks. Holy yeah, cow. Are... <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, that's also just a testament to the film. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, does anyone else have anything to say before we get to the rating? No. Okay. Uh, ben, <laughs> do you want to start us off? Um. Yeah. And choose uh, your own unique rating scale. Yeah. <laughs> We've taken numbers and letters, so you're gonna need to use just I don't use know, stars. Something funky. Oh yeah, stars. Yeah. Three bags of popcorn and a milk duds. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Uh yeah. Um Shawshank is such uh it's a classic. Uh, my parents call everything that came out in the 90s or before a classic, but this is genuinely a classic. Um, <laughs> uh, it's such a beautiful film. Uh, you can pick up anywhere and just be swept along with it. Um, there's so many emotional beats that hit perfectly. It's a real source of hope, ironically. Like if I ever am just like feeling absolutely down, I just need to listen to those end title sequence uh, credits. And I'll be like, yeah, there is something. I do hope you're right. <laughs> uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's a beautiful film that really, it's worth its weight in gold. But um, wow. with my using my own unique scale, I'm going to give it a strong nine out of 10. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dang, that's not actually unique because that's the one that Nathan uses. Oh. <laughs> oh, I mean, the strong, I use decimal. So it's, oh. it's a little different. All right. Well, that I, I'll accept it. 
<laughs> mine's a little bit more uh subjective but no okay yeah i guess i'll i'll go next and i, I think we can kind of blaze through this because i think we all pretty much feel the same but yeah for everything we've talked about i think on a technical level the movie's fantastic all the actors are amazing and on a narrative level i just am amazed by this movie it's so flawlessly emotional and it pays off everything in a really fantastic way that you don't see and it's a movie that yeah i get something out of every time i rewatch it it's it's a 10 it's 10 out of 10 for me okay yeah uh yep not a whole lot to say one of the best movies of all time absolutely it's not the movie that i would choose for the number one spot but anyone who does i i'm i completely understand because it is it's an honest to goodness masterpiece uh and i'm gonna give it an a plus wow wow (laughs) (laughs) okay so now we're gonna go into our next section and ben i gave you the option you could either recommend something based off of this film or you could just give a, a movie wreck of your own choice of any film in existence wow that's so weird what do, what do you got you ever need a good laugh especially after i did after this movie you should watch norbit starring <laughs> eddie murphy no uh i uh i took uh your advice and i thought about this and i thought yeah i need to think of a film that's in a certain uh, particular vein that seems a little concurrent to this so the film that i chose as a recommendation along with this film is children of men wow yeah I, I don't know how many listeners out there have uh, seen much Alfalonso Quran, but um, this is a fantastic film. Um, uh, it has a lot to do with hope, um, climbing out of desolation, and um, just, yeah, I feel like a major uh, theme of that film is hope. And if you enjoyed this film and uh, wouldn't mind uh, stomaching a little bit of uh, revolutionary violence, I think that Children of Men isn't, excellent film to follow up with wow that's a lot better than mine <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll let you go next then oh shoot okay yeah so uh, i really waited until the last minute to choose a recommendation <laughs> like so last minute that i literally consulted nathan on what to choose but <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh actually a movie that's already been referenced in this episode one flew over the cuckoo's nest so this is sometimes, you know, my top five movies list is subject to change, but One Flew Over is a frequent occupier of one of those spots. It's narratively similar in that it's set mainly in a secure environment. It's about this uh, guy who may or may not be mentally ill uh, going to a institution for mentally ill people uh he's a a, a, like a what is he he's like a robber or something uh he's a criminal and it's about him interacting with the patients there and sort of lifting their sights to a different world because it's it's impossible to explain in a brief recommendation section but it is in a similar vein to Shawshank about looking beyond your current circumstances, finding hope in a life beyond uh, just beyond the reach of your own vision. And 
looking to make something more of of what you've got and uh it's a great movie i would recommend it even if it's even if my connection is completely tenuous i i still think everyone should watch one flew over yeah one flew over is a really great movie my recommendation is a movie i just watched last week and it's called awakenings with robin williams and robert de niro and it's a 90s movie and i think kind of similar to what both of you said it's a movie about hope about a person helping another person find more meaning in their life and more reasons to keep doing what they're doing and doing it even better and it's a heck of a film it's on netflix so if you're looking for a movie this uh this weekend to watch i can't recommend it enough it's really fantastic it's a beautiful film robin williams is amazing in it and yeah i think it's worth a watch if you like this or if you didn't like this sounds good <laughs> i i will boast that my movie does have radiohead so if there are any incels listening to the <laughs> podcast <laughs> wow, two two radiohead references on the on the day for the pod wow what was hey. the other one I'm a creep. Oh, yeah, yeah, creep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I didn't even get that first reference. It was worth so. it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Ben, it was fantastic to have you on. We, you know, you're such an inspiration to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, so brave we... for sticking through it <laughs> and trying to speak your mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it can be intimidating to be on a podcast with Elliot. Everyone tells me that he's just so well-spoken and articulate. And so I always, I, I hate doing the episodes. I always feel dumb in comparison. And then I say stuff like progenitor and he corrects me. That's all right. I was here to make you feel better. So. <laughs> all right. Well, before we sign off, I just want to remind people, our next episode is going to be the special uh, getting to know us episode. So if you haven't yet, the link to the survey is going to be in the description of the episode. Submit a question. Uh, once again, please don't submit philosophical questions <laughs> that we are unequipped to answer unless you want really bad answers to them. But uh, yeah, currently we have hundreds of responses, so we're going to be parsing <laughs> through those. If all our interns coming through them all. Yeah, we've, we've got we've got a couple people on the payroll to work through it. Um, <laughs> Let me just look through the names here: Mom, Dad, Belliot, Mogolines, Selliot, Mogolines. Wow, man, so many people! Oh my gosh, Nathan Mogolines. Whoa, they must be related. Wow. Okay. All right. So, uh, Ben, do you want to sign us off with a, a little quote, a little nugget of wisdom from yourself? Uh, that th- th- that's all, folks. Wow, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs>